I, by the way, I just love preaching in series where we get to go through a series and dig deep. Our next series is going to start this next week on the Bible, and it's just called This Book Can Change Your Life. We're going to say, well, why are we so excited about the Bible? And we're going to say, how do you read it? It's this holy book that, like, how do you actually read it, which I hope is very informative. And then we're actually going to try and answer some people's questions that have some pushback against the Bible. And we're going to do that specifically. We're not going to pull any punches. We're, we're just going to say, all right, let's answer these things. So the next three weeks before Easter, just to let you know, we're, we're eking up on Easter here. Uh, we're going to really uh, enjoy the, the, the Bible and uh, to dig into this book can change your life. So let's, let's pray. Let's do our last, last sermon on relationships, navigating life together. Heavenly Father, oh, you are good. Thank you for these good people, these good people who have, have come and, and come anticipating that they're going to meet with you, that they're going to come and take away something that's helpful, and that they will connect with their spiritual family. Those are good things. Those, those are things worth waking up for. So I pray for your, your local church here, this gathering, that you would help us to be able to connect with good people and, and come away with things that are useful and most of all connect with you, God. I pray for other local churches around our, our city. Lord, you just be there and welcome people and help them to connect with you. I pray for local churches around our country and the world. As the sun turns, as, as the earth turns and the sun hits all around the, this world, Sunday's happening around the world and people are worshiping you. May they worship you well. And may we be one voice that's added to your praise because you deserve all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're doing this series on navigating life together. If you missed one, uh, we do have, have on podcasts. You can go back on our website and, uh, and find the, the messages, which is, uh, I, I think it's great. I love the people who spend the time editing down the videos and getting them up there. So thank you for those that do that. Uh, I think this series is, is, was designed to be helpful for marriages, for uh, friendships, for small groups. It's like working a garden to be able to have uh, to, have, um, to develop relationships. What you plant into it is sort of what you reap. And, uh, and uh, my limited ability of gardening, I, I did some, uh, you know, is, uh, I found out you can actually make plants that make things, you know, that you ate. And, and so I did that as a kid and in different times in my life. There's these weird things called weeds, and they seem to come unbidden. <laughs> they magically appear. But you have to keep after a garden or else just it's going to be ruined. And so in the same way, our relationships, you just have to continue to cultivate them to be able to have amazing relationships over a lifetime. So how can we navigate life together? And so we said at first, good relationships are difficult because the weeds keep coming. But it, there's essential in our lives. Week one, we talked about no win in comparison. We start to compare ourselves to other people. It, it divides them. In, in fact, it, it's like, why do they get all the breaks? And, and then when they talk to you, you can't be truly happy for them. And you know, you're saying, wow, we just got back from a vacation. And you go, yay, good for you. I haven't had a, you know, <laughs> you know one of those, right? Like, oh, man. Did you know what? The boss only gave me this much raise. This is how much, how much I make. It's just not fair. <laughs> going, wow, I couldn't even dream of making that much. Like, like, okay, so somehow 
we have to say, how can we be rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep? And, and, and we talked about the whole idea that God gives assignments to each person. You don't want to live someone else's assignment. Could you, could you imagine being Moses? I, I like Moses. He's one of my heroes. And could you imagine? Lead my people. And, and he knows what's coming up. He says, no, I don't want to do that. That's, that's a lousy assignment. No, lead my people to free. No, they're going to complain the whole time. They're going to blame me for stuff. And I, it's just, can I be like Abraham? What did he have to do? Wandered a bit and tried to have a kid. Wow, that was tough. Why, why do I have to be Moses, right? No, but guess what? God needed a Moses for that moment. He needed an Abraham for that moment. And he needs you for this moment in history and this time to run your race. And so we can't compare with each other. We, uh, week number two, we, we said, listen, we got to let some things go, Okay. There's some personality types, some people who just have to correct everything, have to go and, and confront people with everything. And, and it's just not fun to be around people like this. And, and sometimes they just hold on to everybody else's stuff. And it weighs them down, and it, and it just makes them tired. I remember reading this verse, and, and I had several people, hey, that's in the Bible? Yeah, yeah. Ecclesiastes 7.9. Do not be hasty in your spirit to be offended. Like, like don't jump at it. Oh, that's offense. Oh, I'm offended by it. Don't, don't jump at that. Don't be hasty in your spirit to be offended. For resentment resides in the hearts of fools. If you carry on in your heart anger and resentment, it's hard to live. So week one, uh, just let's just not... Just not have comparison. Week number two, as one pastor said, I stole his phrase. He said, we need to over underreact. Uh, under and then we talked about forgiveness, forgiveness. We talked about forgiveness. And, and some people think forgiveness, well, that's just so passive. Why do you forgive people? Well, number one, you've been forgiven a lot, so it, it's sort of, it's a good thing to forgive. We found out it, forgiveness is not passive because we're also asked to pray for those who offend us. And that's very active. Have you been able to pray for somebody that you're angry at this week? Either you didn't get angry at anybody <laughs> or you forgot the message, okay, one or the other. Can I tell you, as somebody has lives with messages for the whole week, I've had to pray for a bunch of people this week. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> yeah, people that make me happy. And all the others, too. I, I prayed for those who, it's hard. You know, can I tell you something? It's freeing. It is freeing. You go, and why, and eh. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, what, what should we pray for? Whatever I want in my life, I'm going to pray for them. I ain't want, God, God, give them good health. God, God, give them insight from you. God, give them peace. God, give them joy. Really. <laughs> you don't have to smite them first and then give them those things. And I can't tell you how freeing it is as forgiveness is not passive. It, I, we actually pray for those who offend us. And so we also talked about there's gaps in relationships, gaps in relationships, uh, be, and, uh, like something in between that's promised and, and something that is seen. You're late. You're late. 
Well, it could be one, I, I was, you know, oh, are you okay? Did you get in an accident? Were you in a, a you know, a, were you stuck behind a school bus? God bless all school bus drivers. Anyway, wait, what, you know, there was a good reason because I'm going to lead with trust. Instead of leading with suspicion, you're late all the time. You don't really care about this, right? You know, okay, both of those things. I'm going to lead with trust. How are you doing? Like, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. And then this great phrase, this great phrase, right? This is going to save many a marriage. Okay, here we go. Help me understand. Isn't that better than, I can't believe you, right? Right? Let's switch those two out. I can't believe to help me understand. <laughs> All right, you see the visa bill, right? Come on. Well, let's get real. Help me understand, <laughs> right? Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Navigating relationships. Okay, we're on our last one. Our last one? Our last one. We're going we're gonna to move through this one. Now, this is a real survey. This is a real survey. This is a scientific Ipsos Reed survey. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to ask you a question. I'd love you to have your hands up. I, I really want to find out, okay? So to practice, because people aren't used to putting their hands up in Baptist churches. Here we go. All right, here we go. Okay, let's all just put your hand up. Put one hand up. Come on, come on. You can do it. Oh, come on, all participate. Oh, I see it. Okay, okay. great. All right, awesome, awesome. The worship is going to be great after this, by the way. Okay, this is going to be awesome. Okay, got the hand up. All right, okay. Here's the question. You ready? When you receive a text, should you reply, all right? Is it, okay, is it, is, should you reply within the week? If you receive a text, should you reply within that week? If, if that's good for you. Yeah? Okay. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let, 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 let's move back. Let's, okay, if, if, as long as it's just the week, right? And you don't have to do it before. You don't have to do it before within the week. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. One more. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I see you can come forward, all right? <laughs> if you receive a text... Is it okay that, is it okay, is it, is it socially acceptable that you get back to that person within the day? It's, no one should be angry at you. Somebody sent you a text. It should be that day. Okay. What ha if somebody sends you a text and they don't get back to you within the hour, there's a problem. Come on. Oh, yeah, okay. Awesome. Oh, yeah, awesome. Thank you. Can we just play just as I am and we'll... Two minutes. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome that there's different standards for how long to send me a text? Okay, I send somebody a text. Uh, they're not getting back to me. <laughs> it's been a full 30 seconds, right? <laughs> and then some people... A week later, go, oh, yeah, I saw your text today. I go, wow, different expectations. Wow, 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 that's, these are not absolute moral standards. These are not smiting offenses within the, the, the realm of God. Uh, but there are things that we kind of, expect people to do, right? Let's talk about expectations in relationships. 
Let's talk about expectations in relationships. It's interesting, I did a lot of reading on this, trying to see what the secular world says. It's funny how much psychology has, has this, like, studied this. As one person writes, expectations in a relationship are most often subjective and biased. In other words, I expect you to do this not because it's morally wrong or right, it's because that's what was done in my family. I grew up with this family who would always do that, and you don't do that. Well, you should do that. Why? Because my family was right and yours was wrong, right? It's, it's, I, I, was, I grew up with that. So, so expectations in relationships are often subjective. They're, they're whatever you want and often biased. Expectations, as one psychologist said, are the birthplace of bickering. That's an alliteration itch. He should have been a, a, a pastor. It's awesome. It's great. We have... We, we have different expectations, different starting points, different standards. And in fact, the closer you get to someone, the, the, the more expectations sort of come up. I remember this as a, as a university, I uh, had my first university roommate, went away to college, and, and uh, they, they just threw you together with different people, right? So I got to go and hang out with this guy, Bruce from Kansas who's a football player. I was pre-med. And so guess what I wanted to do every night? I was going to study till 3 o'clock in the morning. He had a 6 o'clock practice in the morning, and so he had to get to bed by 10 o'clock. Right, so how did that one work? I go down to the library. The library's closed at 11. What? I'm down at Denny's, any place to try and find a place to study because he had to sleep. And so came the birthplace of bickering. <laughs> this transcends close relationships, our expectations. Our expectations color all our relationships. I expect Uber Eats to deliver things before they get cold. Amen? I expect my server to come and fill my class of Diet Coke or Diet Pepsi and when it's empty. But, you know, I, I've said to many people, my conviction on this is that what does a server do? I, you know, they, they get the food and they bring it. And they should hover and wait for the glass to be done so they'll fill it, right? When, when, when my glasses, I put it over to the edge so they can see it. And they walk by. And I'm thinking, tip. All right? What do I, what am, that's my expectation. <laughs> Sam, Sam is saying, Dave, I'll pray for you. Yes, pray for your pastor. Pray for your pastor. He has, he has gaps in his life. <laughs> uh, it's funny. I used to go and get my tea at Tim Hortons. And it was fine. I would go into Tim Hortons, and there'd be 25 people behind the counter. And no one would look at me or care, and then half the time they'd get it wrong. I go to the promised land, Starbucks. And we have a Starbucks manager right here. And I'm not talking to her because she might give out free product. No, no. <laughs> I go in there. You know what happens? Hey, Dave. Hi, Dave. Hi. Hey, we got your tea, and we remembered you had a stir stick before. We have a stir stick on top of this. And, oh, yeah, that's good. How you do? Hi. Yeah. Oh, 
And I know it's just good customer service, right? That they just train the, the people. But every so often I have, well, I go to a Tim Hortons and I go, everybody's, I, guess what? Guess what? I receive a certain level and then I start to, what do I start to do? I start to expect that other places. Doesn't that mess you up? Isn't that wild? How long does it take to receive something good for it to turn into an expectation? How long does that happen? It happens like this. Man, I can't believe how quickly it happens. I'm going to tell you this about church world. Okay, church, and This is not me complaining. I'm not trying to restart a ministry. Okay, We don't need volunteers for this yet. <laughs> okay, here we go. A while back, a while back, I realized that people like coffee to ha- come in and have coffee at church. I heard some churches doing this, cutting-edge churches, have coffee. So we had a coffee ministry. Does anybody remember that? Anybody remember that? Oh. Okay, they missed that. <laughs> and I remember the first couple times you come in and free coffee. This free coffee, free, yeah, we're a generous church. Why? Because we have generous people. We have generous people, so we can be generous. And so it's awesome. So, yeah, free coffee. This is awesome. So, and, uh, and I remember people say, yeah, you know why I come to your church, Dave? It's an awesome worship team. No, it's the amazing preaching. No, it's the free coffee. So, so pandemic hits, and it goes. And, and it's, it was awesome to hear some of the, the gut reactions of the, what? You don't have coffee? I come here faithfully once a month. And I, what, what's the word? What's I, I, I expect what was a gift became an expectation. And here, here's another layer of a problem with this whole thing. Whole thing. We, we rarely, <laughs> we rarely Talk about our expectations in relationships. Good relationships talk about expectations. That's why you have pre-marriage counseling. Okay, pre-marriage counseling. Shouldn't even call it counseling because I, uh, I do not train counselors. And, but the idea is pre-marriage counseling is, well, what do you expect? What do you expect? What? Let's get that out of the way ahead of time, right? Let's, let's talk about expectations, right? Uh, it, uh, the thing is, often we don't talk about our expectations. Why don't we talk about our expectations? Because we expect the other person just to figure it out. These are things that everyone should expect. Uh, I was reading an interesting um, article on this called Assumed Similarity Bias. And that's awesome. Assumed similarity. I'm looking at one of our counselors. She's shaking her head at me. Thank you. <laughs> there is this assumption that we think most people b- behave the same as us. <laughs> so basically, uh, if I'm the kind of person that holds the door open for someone else, we expect someone else to do the same. If you're talented at remembering a friend's birthday, we expect other people to do the same. This is, we, we just assume everybody's like me. And so there's a reason why you're not holding the door open for me. There's a reason why you don't remember my birthday. It's because you don't care. Because the idea, because we're the same, and I remember your birthday. It's on my iPhone, and it just comes up. And I remember your birthday. 
and, and, and you don't mind, so ergo, you don't care because we assume that we're similar people. I, I like what this one psychologist said, and, and this is a quote. It's her quote. I, it's, a, it's a little harsh at one point here. So here we go. I can blame her. Here we go. What's important to you may not be important to others. And if we want to be in relationships with people who are different to us, rather than clones of our personality, then we have to swallow our entitlement and humbly bring our expectations of them into reality. Well, thanks, Dave. It's a good TED Talk. What does Jesus say about this, right? We come to church because Jesus speaks to issues. He speaks to reality. If you're on your way to God, if you're, if, if you're not a believer yet, the reason why we talk about reality here is because Jesus speaks to reality. And it's amazing. And his take on reality is often over there. Wow. Never thought of that. That's because all, God is awesome. I was putting that out there. Here's, I, I, think, I, I think I have two principles, at least I found in Scripture, and uh, you can, uh, I'll put them out for you to, to examine them. Number one, number one principle, Jesus is our primary relationship. I'll get to how this counts to expectation in, in a bit. But Jesus is our primary relationship. I can give you Scripture after Scripture, I won't. I, I just narrowed it down to three. John 17, three. Now this is eternal life. That they may, and I, in brackets I put intimately, because that's the, that's the Greek behind the word. That this is eternal life, that they may intimately know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. I always think this verse is silly. And this is eternal, you're going to define eternal life? What eternal life is just life that goes on, right? Just goes on and on and on. Why do you have to define it differently? No, 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 no. That, that's, that's quantity. We're talking about quality. This is eternal life is that you get to know me, intimately know me. And that's the quality of a life that goes on forever. And this is why I'm a pastor. I want to introduce as many people as I possibly can before I drop dead to this amazing relationship with God. And this is eternal life. It's not just the the quantity, it's the quality of knowing God. Okay, I'll move on. I, I'll be preaching if I move on. Okay. Ephesians 3.1, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. He wants you to be wiser. He wants you to get revelation from God so that you may know him better. It's all about us. It's all about us. To know him better. Philippians 3. I'm going to read 7 and 8 and 10. This, this is Paul. He just goes on and saying, listen, all I have a PhD. I have a double PhD. I was actually not in, in only having a PhD. I, I had it from Harvard under the best rabbi in the world. He just listed all his, all his amazing things, and this is what he said. But, but what, whatever, I, whatever uh, were gains to me, now I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of really knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, whom sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage. What? Yeah, I consider my PhD at Harvard 
garbage. He's not anti-education here. He's just saying, in comparison, in comparison, that I might gain Christ. And, and you go, hold on, something's different than just going to church. Something's different than having a Sunday thing. It's about the person, our primary relationship. And goes on to say, I want to intimately know Christ. I just, I want to, I need to. I can't tell you how much I've learned about this. When I sit down with his word and I said, speak to me, God, speak to me through your holy word. And he does. And it gives me that moment of peace that I need. And it gives me direction for where I need to go next. And he taps me on the shoulder and gently says, no, Dave, you're wrong. You need to make that right. And then he gives me the strength to do it. And often he just pours out his love to me. He speaks and heals my heart that's been beat up. And then I get, get it. I, I understand it, that Jesus becomes this, my, my, my primary relationship. See, God knows and understands. These are a few things I found out in my life with him. God knows everything. There's no place we can hide. He knows all my thoughts. He knows exactly what I've done. There's... He knows everything, but he understands. He understands that, that we're all messed up. Isn't that great? He just understands it. He knows that you're a glorious mess. You know, oh, I shouldn't come to church. There'll be a lightning bolt on. No, he knows when you're wherever you are, right? He just knows you, and he understands. This is one of my favorite sets of verses. Maybe that's why I chose it. I could have chosen so many. Psalm 103, it goes, for as high as the heavens above the earth, so great is his loving kindness to those who fear him. <laughs> how high? Just, you look and you just keep looking. That's how much he loves you. For those who are in relationship with you, him, for those who fear him, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he, is, he removed our transgressions from us. Just like a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He's mindful that we're but dust. He knows that you're dust. He knows that you have temptations. He knows. He gets it. And he loves you even though all that stuff happens. I love it. And guess what? If you're in his family, God is for you. Romans 8, 31 to 32. What can we say then? Show Shall we say in response to these things, for if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give all things? You say, hold on, well, Dave, he didn't give us all things. I, I, I still need a job. I, I, I want a job. I want a girl. I want a child. I want a car. I want a house. I, he hasn't given us all good things. You know what he's given you? Go on, go on. And this is better than all that put together. He gives you himself. Whew. Oh, come on. Somebody's got a Pentecostals out there. We need a name, men on that one. Come on. All right, thank you. Thank you. I, man, I need more Pentecostals. Okay. God gives you himself. And those of you who have walked with God long enough, you know this. The Lord is my shepherd. Yeah. I got everything I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I got everything I need, right? Well, hold on. No, 
I'm yours. We're in a relationship. Whom have I in heaven but you? And who on earth do I desire beyond you? It's not saying we don't have any friendships. No, no. It's, it's just like this is so much better than anything else. Everything else pales in comparison. And when you walk with God and, and you hear his voice and you read his word and you spend time in Sabbath prayer and you worship him, the more you get to know him and the more you go, oh, my goodness, this is the best thing in the world. I know God. And those of you who have walked with him for a while, you know what I'm talking about. Right, right. Man. And so our response to that is Matthew twenty two thirty seven, And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God love with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. God just wants to be your number one. Okay, what does that have to do with expectations? Let me, okay, here we go. I'm going to land this plane. Okay, here we go. <laughs> we all have a God-shaped vacuum in our heart. We all do. No person can fill that. Your husband, your wife, cannot fill the needs that are center in your heart. Your friends cannot fill that need that's in the center of your heart. Your child cannot fill the need that's in the center of your heart. A car, a vacation, a job cannot fill the need in the center of your heart. It's made for God to fill Psalm 32, 5, yes, my soul, find rest in God. For my hope, my expectation comes from him. My hope for love, fulfillment, for meaning. So I'm, I'm going to suggest a prayer. Where we're going to do a bit of therapy right in the middle of the, the sermon instead of waiting for the end. All right, here we go. Here's the prayer. I'm going to read it to you first before we pray out loud because I don't want you to pray out loud unless you mean it. God, I stop depending on others for what you alone can give me. God, my hope is in you. Doesn't mean that we push our relationship aside. In fact, when, when God fulfills our hearts, we become a whole person. And, and when two whole people get together, it's a good thing. Right? When a whole person goes to a place of employment, it's a good thing. If you want to, you're welcome to pray this along with me. Here we go. God, I stop depending on others for what you alone can give me. God, my hope is in you. Do you see how that helps with unmet expectations? We need to talk about expectations. That's healthy. But when somebody slips and doesn't, and somebody doesn't seem to come up to, and they, ah, oh, man, it bugs me, and hold on, they're not the person that's going to fill the hole in my heart. God is. And God will fill that hole in my heart, and now I'll have strength to be able to treat them with grace, truth, and all the things I need. Here's the second thing I understand about expectations from scriptures. Here it is, and, and we've talked about this, right? If you fulfill someone's expectation, often you're not thanked, are you? Uh, what? Because you've only done what's been expected. You've only done what's been expected. I, I remember I had, had a boss 
like that. I, I, tried to, I tried to make him happy. I tried to make him happy. I tried to do everything I could to, to you know. And he would say, Dave, here, every Tuesday, 2 o'clock, here's 10 things you did wrong this week. And then Tuesday, 2 o'clock, here's 15 things. I made it up to 24 things I did wrong in one week. I thought that was a record. I guess that wasn't a good thing. Anyway, so finally, I worked overtime. I had no time off. I did everything, mortgaged everything, my family, my kid. I made this one event the best thing I could. And I got the fire trucks there, and I got the fireworks there, and I did everything to make it all happen. <laughs> right? What was I waiting for? Well done. Way to go. Good job, right? <laughs> I went, had my Tuesday 2 o'clock meeting. Didn't talk about it. Didn't talk about it. Why? Because I only did what was expected. Imagine having a spouse, a friend, a workmate, a boss with unrealistic expectations. You work hard to meet them and finally do everything you've been asked to do. And nothing is said because you've only done what's expected. You've only done what's expected. I, I read one article I thought was great. Is the title of the article was this. Trade your expectations for appreciation and your world will change. <laughs> Start to say, okay, God. I want to see the things that I just sort of expect as gifts. And I want to give appropriate appreciation to those around me. I want to say thank you to God and to others. I want to see a blank slate today. And I'm, I'm working on this one as, as we all are. This is what the psalm says in Psalm 118, 24. This is a day the Lord has made. Come on, let's rejoice and be glad in it. Woo! A brand new day. Yeah. Wow. You know what? There's new things that are going to happen today, and the Lord's made it. He's gone ahead, and he's my father, and he walks with me. Come on, right? Woo! Good times. Good times. And everything that comes to me, Oh, thank you. Oh, really? Me? <laughs> you go, I can't stand those people. Okay. <laughs> Be you. But just imagine having appreciation for a lot of stuff. Imagine teaching your children to appreciate things that are just normal. And that's why sometimes kids growing up in rich families... I pray for them. I do. Because they've been given a lot, I, I, it's not bad, but they start to, what, a lot? Expect a lot. And they need parents to be able to say, oh, wow, isn't this great? We have a TV. <laughs> Thank you, God, we have one. Man, it's always there. Nothing good on. Yeah, yeah, I know. Hold on. This is the day the Lord's made. This is good stuff. I remember taking a bunch of kids from a, a, a more affluent church down to uh, Mexico, and we built a play yard for kids. It was awesome. And I remember the kids going, oh, this is spring break. As one said, I could be skiing in Whistler or going and making a, you know, a play yard in Mexico. 
Uh, can I bring my PS2 down? You know, can I bring my video? No, you can't. No, you can't. Can I bring my phone? No, I don't want you to get the, we'll, we'll have a phone that you can go and call your parents if you want, but no. Oh. I remember that they, we're, you know, we built the forms. We, we, got the, we got the rebar out. You know, these kids are doing this. We're, not, not, now the concrete came in. It was hand-mixed in, in these things. And, and as we're doing this, these, we saw these five little guys running down a hill, a dusty, just filled with dust, this, this, this hill. And they're playing with a, a bicycle tire rim. And they're trying to get the tire rim to go down. And as they hit the bottom of the thing, the one guy that got to go the farthest, he'd go, yeah, and everybody else, they're rolling in the dust, laughing, having fun. They'd take the tire rim up again and move down. And, and I saw one by one, our kids were just looking at the thing. i go, go beside them, yeah. Wow, they don't have a PS2, do they? Yeah. They found a tire rim. That's cool. Came back and one of the guys said, I get it now. I get it. Every new day is a blank slate, and I'm going to be grateful to the people and God for all the good things that are around me. Uh, <laughs> Paul was getting beaten up for spreading the gospel. You read some of the stuff he went through. Oh, my goodness. I have no problems. Can I just say this? I have no problems. I have not been stoned and left for dead several times. I have not been lashed within an inch of my life or beaten with rods, all right? <laughs> Go ahead. This is, this, is, this, is, this is like simple pimple, all right? So he is like, he's like sitting in a Roman jail cell, you know, scarred up. I, could you imagine his body, what it would look like? <sighs> okay, keep your shirt on. Okay, all that. And, and, and so now... He's gone through all that to spread the gospel. Now, the Philippians, they were good people. You know how they helped him? They gave him money. They, gave, they supported him. To, to, there's a whole message about that, but I won't go there now. The idea is they gave him money so he didn't have to make tents in order to get food. So now he could actually spend his time spreading the gospel. So it was a good thing they did. But get, can you imagine this to yourself? You know, your heart, you know, you've been beat up. You're in a cell. You know, these people have been at home their whole life. Whoa. They gave money. Whoa, that was a big deal. Could you imagine some attitude that could come? Come on, right? How many times have you been beaten up? Could you write the letter of Philippians, right? Come on, don't you understand? Okay, okay. This is what he said. This is what he says. Philippians 1, 3 to 5. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to God. Whenever I pray, I make requests for all of you with joy. Because they're amazing. For you have been partners in spreading the good news about Christ. That's the money they gave. From the time you first heard it until now. Paul was thanking a group of people for some things they probably should be doing. It was their, their duty to give. But he just saw it as something that was beautiful. So he thanked them. Um, I'm going to ask our worship team to come on up. As I try and apply it to my own life, I, 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 got, I got thinking about, about both of these things. Uh, we, we had a, a partners meeting, which we sort of 
you know, look over the budget and uh, hear good stories. Uh, the partners, they, they put on a little thing where people came up and said, thank you, Dave, for serving our church for 25 years. So I've been doing church work here 25 years, five years before that as a youth pastor. So 30 years I've been here. And, and so, so I, you know, I, I try and wrap my head around both of those things, right? So, so God is my hope. God's my hope in you. So I can't tie my worth to the church. I can't tie, you know, that uh, I'm a good person because of the church. I can't tie all that stuff here. My, my hope is in God. My worth is in God. I just love God. And, and he's the reason I do this. So, so yeah, so I'm, I'm good that way. But then people got up for about half hour and just said, Dave, thank you. And part of me goes, well, you know, this is my job, right? I, I know it's your job, Dave, but thank you. You helped me find Jesus. You helped me and my family do this. Can I say Church on the Rock for those of you who participated then and afterwards too? Thank you. I'll remember that for the rest of my life. I will. You could just expect it of me, and I fall short of people's expectations. Could be angry at me, that's okay. I find my fulfillment in God. But thank you for thanking me. And that's how relationships work. I'm not going to develop my worth from I don't need it, but man, it's good. Isn't that awesome? Could you imagine marriages doing that? Could you imagine small groups doing that? Could you imagine families doing that, places of work? <laughs> That's awesome. As I pray, can we just say, isn't God amazing? <laughs> isn't his word so beautiful? Isn't it so deep that we can dig into it, gold and gems that come out? <sighs> he puts a new perspective on everything. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, <sighs> You know every one of these people, God. And you love everyone supremely. And the first thing you want is them to be in your family. So I pray for those who are on the edge that if I were to ask, this is what's holding you back, they wouldn't know. Father, I pray that this would be the moment, Lord. Help them to pray along with me. Heavenly Father, I want this relationship. I give you my life. It's yours. I believe you died and rose again to take away all my garbage. Thank you for your forgiveness. I love you, God. Amen.